And this is Dan. Together we pastor Hope Culture Church in Elgin, Illinois. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Amen. Amen. Well, I love Christmas. Uh, yes. And you love Christmas. I've, I've always loved Christmas. I love pretty much everything about it. I yeah. love the nativity set. Who has a nativity set in their house? Anyone have one set up? Anyone is in a box that's not set up yet, but it yeah. will be by Christmas. <laughs> the, 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 the nativity. Yeah. You love it. I do. I've always loved it. I've played with it since I was a kid. My parents had one that was kind of like this. Does anyone else have one that looks like this? No. No. Okay. Oh, I saw one. Oh, oh. Yep. Okay. And I would always add Batman to the nativity. <laughs> Like most of you who know me, that's like not even surprising. Like I love Batman. I had this this one specific Batman. I had a bunch of them, but one of them, I always put it in the nativity. Aww. My parents have pictures of it. I did it for years. Oh, um, I wish we had that photo. I know. But, okay. but I want to show you some different nativities. So here's another one. Does anyone have one like this? No. It's nice. It's no. a nice one. My aunt had it's one kind of like this. What about this next one? It's almost the same. Oh, that's fancy too. I found this one this year. This is a new one. This next one, it's like glass, but it's like lit up. It's It's, LED. It's a modern. Oh, oh. Yeah. I like that. I don't know. That's kind of different. Has anybody had the little tykes one? Yeah. Oh, that's what's set up. All the parents are like, that's the only one we can set up in our house. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Our kids used to have this next one. It's a wooden one. It's a kid one. Yeah, no, they do. It's up in Paloma's room, I think. Oh, it's up right now. Yeah, she plays with it still. Isn't that cute? It's wooden. They fall over a lot. So the angel's usually sleeping. Yeah. Tell yeah. us about this, this Okay, next you one. guys, this next one. I don't know if you've heard. Um, there's, you guys <laughs> see this? This is like a modern take on the nativity. Okay, and show the next slide. There's another one. This has been breaking the internet lately. Have any of you seen this, heard this? Some people are like, tell me what that is, like when you have no our context. Friends, our friends who are pastors in Minnesota just got one. Yeah, and they were fighting. They were like, the, the husband was like, no one knows what that is. That is not a nativity. And she's like, it is. It represents, you know, you see? That's the, like the, the shepherd. Shepherd and the sheep, sheep. you see? Anyways, uh, we love nativity. I kind of like it. I think that's what I want for um, Christmas in my house. I see it. I like it. Anyway, there's so many different nativities, and I've always loved them. I've loved messing with them. I added Batman, like I said. And then when I was in Bible college, I got to, like, studying the story even more. And even before that, I was like, why are the three wise men part of the nativity you know like they're there the same time it's always bothered you like they don't belong i would come home from bible school and grab my parents wise men and move them into the next room (laughs) and be like this is more accurate (laughs) they're like this far away because they're they're not there they're they're not not. there at the birth of jesus they come later He's, he's like almost two probably yeah yeah and so then it's like the shepherds wouldn't be there at the same time. They're not hanging out there for two years waiting for the wise men to come. But okay. anyways, that's just my thing. It's but you, you've you heard of the wise men, right? And oftentimes there's three, mm-hmm. but really there's probably more than that. We just know there's yeah. three gifts. Yeah. Um, right. But have you ever heard of the three wise women? Have you ever heard of the three wise no. women? Everyone's like, no, what is no. this heresy? Well, it's not an official thing. But <laughs> we're going to look at three women who showed wisdom yes. in the Christmas story. Yeah, there's three significant women who play a huge role. And so we're excited to dive into those three women today and glean from them with the wisdom that they have that they will share with us. And we just believe that God's going to speak. They each have a unique story and each and every one of you has a unique story as well. And so I think one of these women and their story might speak to you this morning. Um, And so we're going to dive in to the three women. Yeah. Can anybody guess who they are? Mary, 
Someone read Marianna and Elizabeth. Oh, yeah, yeah that's the wrong that. order, but it's the right people. That's very we're good. We're going to start with Elizabeth. We'll go in chronological yeah. order. So, so we we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to start talking about Elizabeth. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. We'll be in Luke 1 today. Verse 5, it says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. Yep. Good. <laughs> I have to check with, you know, he's particular. Okay, his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Okay, so here's where we find Elizabeth. We discover quickly that she's old in age, and she has had this lifelong desire to have a child. Um, but she has not been able to conceive. And um, in that time, her inability to have a child would have brought a lot of shame and disgrace onto her life because a lot of purpose and meaning for women in that day was found in their ability to bear a child. And so she has had this lifelong journey of waiting and um What's beautiful is that it's mentioned here that they're both righteous in the sight of God um, and found blameless because they've obeyed God. And so we see that she has wisdom in her life despite her trial. She has chosen to still obey God and follow God with her life um, despite her long season of waiting. And um, I know that for some of you in the room, this her story and the, the waiting is something that will resonate with you. Um, many of us have been through seasons of waiting for Elizabeth, it was a very, very long season of waiting. Um, it's clear, though, that Elizabeth still loved the Lord and worshipped and obeyed him. Um, and here she is. We find her left kind of waiting and wondering, but still worshipping. Yeah, and I love Elizabeth's story. I mean, so many of us do find ourselves at different times of our life in seasons of waiting and wondering and worshipping and questioning, God, are you going to do something? But what I love and what stood out to us as we were talking about this this yeah. week is Elizabeth and Zechariah keep doing the right things in the middle of all that. They're righteous in God's sight. They're blameless. They kept the law and everything with it, and yet they still weren't seeing the miracle. And the reason this is significant is because sometimes we can jump to the conclusion that the problems we're facing are because of something we've done that we can make this correlation between I did that and therefore this is a consequence for that. And although there are times that there are natural consequences and things that are a result of it, I think sometimes we draw a line that isn't there. Um, we see this throughout scripture. Job, they're like, all of his friends, you know, if you don't know Job's story, he loses everything and everyone that's important to him. And his friends are like, what have you done? How did you sin? What did you do? And he's like, I didn't do anything. And then even after Jesus has grown up and, and in his ministry, somebody comes to him and like, there's this man who's been blind. And whose fault is that? Is that his mom's fault or his dad's fault? Who sinned? And Jesus is like, neither one of them. And so I just want to remind you that because you're facing a problem doesn't necessarily mean it's a punishment for something. Right, right. And I think sometimes we, we think this is my own fault. This is my cross to bear. This is my own doing. And I think Zechariah and Elizabeth serve as a reminder that not everything is a punishment yeah. that you're facing. Sometimes we just go through hard times. Um, as we continue in the story, we pick up in verse 18. Yeah, it says, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. 
that. Do you see how he words that? He doesn't call her old, which I feel like is a great, a great takeaway. That's a tip. Put that it's in your pocket. Tip. Yes. How kind. He's old and his wife is well long in years. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. I love in verse 20, it says at their appointed time, because I can only imagine for Zechariah and Elizabeth, um, for them, the timing probably felt late. They're well off in their age. And they're like, we've kind of missed our moment. Like, and, and the angel saying it's going to happen for you at the appointed time. Uh, which reminds me so much of Dan's message last week. If you missed it, he talked all about God's timing and the significance of his timing and how sometimes it's, it seems different than our timing. We want something to happen in, well, we want it to happen soon. We want it to happen usually sooner rather than later. And um, oftentimes God has his own timing. And so um, I think you said last week that de delay is not a denial. And um, I think that's an important reminder for anybody who's waiting that you might feel that delay, but it doesn't mean God is saying no. There might just be a waiting for you that God has um, the right timing. And sometimes it doesn't match ours. Sometimes it's not a no, but it's a not yet. And so the timing is important. Um, but I would imagine that they probably assumed the answer was no. But Gabriel says, God heard your prayers. And so there's this gap between their prayers that they prayed and the time that it was answered. And that's that waiting period. And they're waiting on God's. It's kind of like when you put a turkey in the oven and you're waiting on it. You guys, this is like turkey season. I feel like we're allowed to, well, I, I eat turkey around Thanksgiving, but many people eat it from like Thanksgiving to Christmas. Anyone do turkey around Christmas? Okay. Thanksgiving Okay, so we just all cooked our turkeys. You put it in the oven, and for me, I'm like, you know, watching the turkey. Like, and sometimes it looks like it's done before it actually is because the skin gets crispy and it's looking golden. I'm like, is it cooked in there? And the only way you can know if it's fully cooked is a thermometer. Unless you're like a super chef, maybe you can like feel it or something. <laughs> but for me, I want the thermometer. I'm like waiting for it to get to that 160, 165. And, and um, or if you have a pop-out thermometer where it like literally pops out and it's like, the time has come to eat turkey and you take it out of the oven. Waiting on God can sometimes feel like waiting on a turkey. And there are... <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Listen, just go with they're me. Following. They, they're following. They're following. You got what I'm saying. It can look like the time is right, but it's not always the right time. You're just waiting for God to pop out and be like, it's your time. It's time. It's now. And an angel comes and is like, it's now. But it might not be fully cooked. It right. might not be ready. It might not be developed. He might be working behind the scenes. Right. And uh, I love this too, because Elizabeth's name means oath of God. And just even from what we were talking about last week is just God's timing and how how the arrival of Jesus was at the appointed time, like it talks about in Galatians 4. Yeah. And John, too, because if you know the story well, you know Elizabeth is going to give birth to John, who is John the Baptist, uh, who is the forerunner for Christ. Yeah. And John, uh, this is what it says in Malachi, which is an Old Testament prophet. 
It says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. So Malachi is predicting that, hey, even before Jesus comes, this other guy is going to come who's going to prepare the way for the Lord. And so if we understand that Jesus came at God's appointed time, John can't come until his appointed time in correlation to Jesus. And I love that, that he keeps his oath to all of Israel through this woman whose name means oath of God. That's just so So cool. So cool. Okay, moving on in Luke uh, 1, verse 23, it says, When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. She said, The Lord has done this for me. And these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. I love how she says the Lord has done this for me because the miracle for her is so personal. Um, For her as a woman, the miracle of conceiving at that age was a personal miracle for her. And she is met with God's mercy and grace in an answered prayer. And she responds with joy and thanksgiving and praise to God. And that shows a woman of wisdom to me. She's not like salty, like it's about time, you know, like I've waited this long, like I deserve this baby. I've prayed enough prayers. Like she has just a heart posture of gratitude and joy. And she's like, the Lord has done this for me. He's shown favor and taken away my disgrace. Um, And her shame is lifted in this moment and it's beautiful and powerful, um, the miracle that it is. And so Our first wise woman, Elizabeth, has so much to teach us in how she processed her waiting season and how she responded when she got her miracle. Um, And so... When, as we pick up in this story, it's really right hereafter where we meet our next wise woman named Mary. And so we're going to continue in the text. And as we read this, I know we read this a lot around Christmas time. So it's a common passage for many of us. But I hope that as we read it this morning, you might be met with something new. Maybe something will stick out to you. Um, but we're going to look at Mary, the mother of Jesus, as she gets this invitation from or a visitation from an angel powerful moment that really changed history, changed her life drastically. Um, And it's beautiful. Lots of lessons we can learn from the woman that God chose to carry the Son of God. So let's look at that. In um, verse 26, it says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. He said to her, The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. 
And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I love that. No word from God will ever fail. That's so good. No, no word of God will ever fail. And this is Gabriel's response to Mary saying, how will this happen? Yeah. Like, I just can't picture it. You know, it's not necessarily doubt. It's more wonder of what do you, how are you going to accomplish this, God? And Gabriel is like, even Elizabeth is pregnant for no word that comes from God is impossible. Right. Nothing is impossible. And I love what the ESV even translates it different. and says nothing is impossible for God yeah. or nothing will be impossible for God. And that's such a good reminder right. that Gabriel like zooms out of the specific and is just like, yeah. if we believe that anything is possible for God, nothing God, God says is too unbelievable. Yeah, which is a powerful reminder for anyone in this room who has that skepticism or is holding back that faith. When God's word says nothing is impossible with him, every word he will be faithful to, it's such an encouragement. Like God is faithful to his word. Nothing is too far, too hard for him. He is able to do abundantly more than we can ask, think, or imagine. And when Gabriel's saying this to Mary, can you only imagine like the faith that it would take to believe what the angel is even saying, like faith beyond even what she can imagine. Um, and, And so powerful, nothing is impossible for God. And in verse 38, it says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. And so Mary, we know she was probably a very young girl, maybe 15 or 16 years old. And that day, uh, they got married very young. She was engaged to a man named Joseph. um, And she was maybe thinking about other things, not thinking about having a child in that moment. And when the angel comes and is like, greetings, you who are highly favored, her first reaction is she's distracted with the greeting. She's confused about what's happening and probably afraid. I mean, if you just put yourself in her situation, it's, it's probably terrifying to be met with an angel appearing wherever you are and, and giving you this greeting. And so she hasn't even heard the news yet, and she's distracted. And she's wondering about what this greeting is and why this angel is here. And I think a, an important part of this conversation with Mary and the angel is how he tells her to not be afraid. Mary is distracted, and I think the angel probably picks up on the inner fear um, inside of her, probably in the presence of an angel and also in what he's about to tell her. Um, Fear will stop her from believing the calling that she's about to hear. And so I love that he preemptively says, do not fear. He puts her at peace. He speaks to her heart. Um, Because so often when we are met with fear, I just think one of the greatest enemies of our potential is fear. And when we're met with fear in our lives, it can stop us from doing the thing that God is calling us to do. It keeps you from stepping outside of your comfort, comfort zone. It holds you back from the fullness that God has for you. And so the angel coming right to the point and saying, do not fear, I think is so powerful. And it sets her up to hear the news that he's about to share with her. And so some of the fears she might be feeling are great. She's probably feeling fear about what 
everyone's society might think after, after she hears this news that she's going to have a baby. She's probably thinking about what Joseph might say, her family, uh, how it will happen supernaturally. There's probably a lot of fear um, that's coming up for Mary. Yeah, I mean, think about it. If, you, if you've even gotten one of those texts that you don't fully understand right away, or if you've gotten a phone call, or if you've gotten anything that changed what you were expecting in a significant way, right. you just have all of these thoughts running through your mind. And you can only imagine for Mary, this young girl who's like, this is going to change everything. And what about Joseph? And this is, there's an angel right in front of me and the supernatural aspect of that and just all of these different factors. Yeah. But yet, um, when Gabriel goes on to explain, this is what's going to happen, yeah. she just simply asks how. And he says, nothing's impossible for God. Right. Even Elizabeth um, is going to give birth. And then her response is so beautiful. Yeah. She just says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled in me. Yeah. That's just a posture of availability. Mary is just saying, I'm at God's disposal. If you're saying God can do anything, and I believe that, yeah. then, then you can just use me however you want, God. Whatever you're saying, I'm here for it. I, I'm, I'm your servant. I love that. Just yeah. that available heart. Yeah, it's powerful. And I love how she asked, how will this be? Because if you read earlier, Zechariah, when he's told that his wife is going to have a baby, responds with skepticism, and he doesn't believe. And that's why the angel says he'll be silent until um, the baby's born. And in this moment, Mary doesn't say that's impossible. Like, she's not skeptical. She asks how on a practical level, which really shows me that, first of all, her faith, but also her, her childlike wonder and how will this be? And that really stuck out to me this week as I was studying her wonder towards the angel, like, tell me how this will happen. And um, I, I think it's so impactful the way that she responds with faith. We know that she loved the Lord and we know that she knew the scriptures because we're not going to talk about it today, but she sings a song um, in a little bit and she quotes scripture. And so she's close to the Lord, but she has this wonder about her. And I think wonder and childlike faith is something that's often missing in our lives. Um, so often the weariness and the weight of the world can steal some of our wonder and our childlike faith when it comes to our relationship with God. And she, Mary, is untouched by the weariness of the world. And she's untouched by skepticism. She's full of faith. She's not critical of the news. How powerful is that? Her wisdom shows in the way that she has faith like a child and wonder towards the news. And instead of saying, that sounds impossible, she asks, how will this be? And so I think this is the moment, like in real time, that we see her moving past her fear into faith. And um, she steps into just this new realm, owning the call, asking what it's going to look like. And um, I think there's so much wisdom there. And she just says, I am the Lord's servant. She makes herself available. May your word to me be fulfilled, even though she didn't know what it would look like. Um, how mature how wise um, Mary chose faith over her fear. And if you're taking notes, you can write that down. That's our main takeaway from Mary today. She chose faith over fear. And that's important because faith will move you forward. Fear will hold you back. Yeah. There, 
enemies. They, God has a specific plan and purpose for you. You hear us say that regularly. He's created you on purpose and for a purpose. And when you take him at his word and are moving, willing to move forward, you're, you're like Mary. You're yeah. taking him at his word and, and just full of faith instead of fear. Um, Pretty soon, Mary and Elizabeth's stories intersect. Um, the Miracle Mamas get together. The Miracle Mamas. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love that. Okay, they are Miracle Mamas. That's hilarious. All right, moving on. Yes, you want me to read the text? Sure, yeah, go for or it. Did you have more to say about no, them? No, that's pretty much it. That was, that was the entirety of the joke. I was not expecting that. Um, Luke 1, verse 39. Okay, so at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. We kept rereading, you know, all of Luke 1, and it's just, it's so fascinating how Gabriel shows up to Zechariah, and then he kind of tells Elizabeth about it, however he does without talking, and then Gabriel shows up to Mary, and they're both pregnant, and they're both experiencing a miracle with John. They're cousins, by the way. Mary and Elizabeth are cousins. They're cousins, Mm -hmm. and then they get together, and it's just like, what a powerful spiritual moment is happening like where Elizabeth is just so excited for Mary and recognizes immediately who she's carrying yeah and I was just like caught up with that this week of how Elizabeth knew that John was the forerunner for somebody but I think probably not until that moment yeah knew who it would be I don't know how else I mean the Holy Spirit could have revealed it to her, but in that moment when John, by the Holy Spirit, jumps in her womb, and I think there's just this, this yeah. connection that happens where she's like, that's the, that's one. the one. And like, what a cool moment. And Elizabeth celebrates that and blesses Mary and yeah. talks about how blessed she is and favored by God and how excited she is to even be with Mary, who's carrying Jesus. And um, it just was like Elizabeth chose joy over jealousy. Yeah. You know, Mary's young and carrying the Savior. And Elizabeth's been waiting for this her whole life. Yeah. And I was just putting myself in Elizabeth's shoes where it would be like, I could have been excited for the miracle, but still had a little bit inside of me that's like, why didn't she have to wait so long like I did? Yeah. Or why, why is it so, you know, I got the forerunner, which is pretty cool, but that's the savior of the world. Like, you know, that seems so petty, but yeah. we get jealous so easily of what God is doing in someone else's life. You know, we could be like, of course I would be excited if I was Elizabeth, but sometimes we're just like, look at what God's doing in their life. The timeline's different or that that's different about that. And, you know, we can choose to become jealous or we can choose to say, I'm excited about how God is moving in your life, choosing joy over jealousy. We have so much to learn from Elizabeth. I think a sign of a healthy heart is when you can celebrate with someone else the miracle in their life. Yeah. 
And we see that in Elizabeth and the wisdom that she shows and the joy and blessing that she bestows on Mary in real time, immediately. Um, it's a healthy heart that can celebrate the work God is doing in someone else's life. And so maybe that's for you. Maybe you're in that waiting season and Elizabeth's wisdom is for you, that you're going to choose joy over jealousy, even in your waiting when you haven't received that miracle, when you've been praying for a long time, when they've gotten that provision or that baby or that relationship or that job and you haven't yet. And 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 you get the, the opportunity to choose like Mary, joy over jealousy, um, powerful, super powerful. I love Elizabeth. I love that interaction that we see with Elizabeth and Mary. Yeah, and I mean, there's so much more we could talk about with both of them. And yeah. I, I don't know what it, the Lord will speak to you today by his spirit, but maybe you need to be reminded what Mary was reminded of, that yeah. you can choose faith to do what God's asking you to do, even when you don't see the whole picture. You don't have to partner with fear. Right. Or maybe for you, it's a reminder of, hey, I can be excited about what God's doing in my life and what I don't see him doing in my life and celebrate what he's doing in somebody else's life because I can trust what's for them is for them and what's for me is for me and that God's got it in his mm, hands. So our, our third woman that we want to talk about this morning is Anna. Anna. All right. I love Anna. She's a little bit after the story of Jesus' birth, mm -hmm. but not much. She's in Luke chapter 2. Yes. Um, Jesus has been born. You know, the shepherds have come. The wise men, where are they? The wise men You've, are a long way off. Oh, they're still they a long way off. A long way off. <laughs> they're not in the nativity yet. Okay, verse 25 in, in chapter 2 now. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him that by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. I love that. I mean, pausing really quick, we're going to continue on in the story. But just like, you know, the Holy Spirit had spoken to him, hey, you're going to see the Messiah before you die. And then the next verse says, moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple. Because he's not at the temple 24-7, you know? And I'm like, this, was, this just stuck out to me this year different. Like, what if he wouldn't have followed that prompting? Yeah. Like, what if he would have just been like, this is my day off or whatever, you know, like I'm, do, I'm getting my groceries or whatever he was doing. And like, but he was moved by the spirit and went to the temple so that he was there yeah. when Jesus was there. Yeah. And that's just such a beautiful reminder of like, when God speaks something to you, when you have that still small voice, that prompting of the Holy yeah. Spirit, listen to it. You don't know what's on the other side of that act of obedience. Right. So anyways, let's keep reading. Verse 28. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which have, which have prepared in the sight of all nations, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and, um, and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna. So here's our girl, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. 
She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then a wit- was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying, coming up to them at that very moment. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel, of Jerusalem. All three women are in such different situations and circumstances where, you know, Elizabeth has been married a long time and just has been waiting on God and has been faithful. And Mary's young and, you know, engaged and Anna's widowed. And she's been alone for a long time. She was married for seven years. She's 84 years old. She spent 75 years of her life alone with just that little bit towards the beginning. And um, she just redirects her passion to the Lord. She just spends her time in the temple praying and prophesying. I just picture, like, everybody in the temple, like, knowing who she is. You know, like, she's the lady that's always at church. Like, that's that's how I picture Anna. She's the crazy church lady. She's the crazy church lady. Yeah, in the best way, not to no, be disrespectful, but in the way that you love, you hope to run into. She's it. always there. Right. It says night and day. Yeah. She was there. She lived there. She was dedicated. She dedicated herself to the presence of God, and I think it's powerful. She could have spent her time after the death of her husband in grief or in pity. Um, she could have allowed the pain that she experienced to predict her future. But she instead chose to just pour out her life, worshiping in the temple day and night, fasting and praying. And I think what's really cool is that she redirected the love that she had with her husband towards God and just poured out her love that she had towards God, serving him night and day. Um, She found purpose doing God's work. And she was really in the right place at the right time in this moment that we read in scripture because she got to hear about and meet Jesus. And then she spent her time sharing and telling everyone who would listen about Jesus. And so it's so powerful how she used her pain and put purpose into it and gave her life to the Lord. Yeah, I mean, this. she's in tune with the Spirit. She's a prophetess. And, you know, she's always praying and fasting and prophesying over people and, you know, waiting for the promised Messiah. I'm sure she was friends with Simeon. And she sees Simeon with this baby and this young couple. Yeah. And, and I don't know, there's like, you're not exactly sure how it happens, but in my mind, it's like playing out. She like sees them through the temple and is like, that's the Messiah and is like telling everybody in that moment who he is. And they're all like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. And, you know, like she's going through and just telling everyone. She's just so excited and dedicated to what God is doing. And the thing we can learn from Anna is that she chose purpose over pity. She didn't choose to just feel sorry for herself or get stuck in her grief or just refuse to move forward or you know, live a, a partially full life. She, yeah. she lived full of purpose. She dedicated herself to the Lord and to, yeah. to prayer and to fasting. And I think that's a reminder for any of us who've gone through anything difficult in our life is that you can't let something hard derail you from the purpose God has for you. It doesn't mean you don't grieve. We've talked about this regularly. You grieve and you, you have sorrow and you bring it to the Lord, but you don't lose purpose in the middle of it. Yeah. You can still give everything you have to God. 
Yeah, so these three women have so much to teach us. They have so much wisdom in the way that they live their life, in, in the way that they responded to the situations that they face, each so unique and so different. Um, Elizabeth, Mary, Anna all face their own um, trials and um, Really, the journey with the Lord was different for each of them. Um, and so I wonder for you where you're at in your journey, what God might be speaking to you. Um, maybe like Elizabeth, you can choose joy over jealousy this season. Or maybe like Mary, God's calling you to choose faith over fear. Or maybe like Anna, God is inviting you to choose purpose over pity. And we can also walk in the wisdom that these women have demonstrated for us uh, hand in hand with the Lord and see what God will do. Because like these women, um, we, you all have purpose in your life. Each and every one of them had so much purpose. I think one thing that they had in common was that they were carriers of the good news, both liter literally and figuratively. They were about bringing good news to the world. And that is each and every one of our callings today is God's inviting you to do the exact same, to be carriers of the good news of Jesus Christ, to share the hope of Jesus with the world around you, um, to live on mission, laser focused, like you have purpose for your life that is beyond your own situation, beyond yourself. And I think so often we can get caught up in the things that we're facing that are very real and challenging. Um, but God is sometimes asking us to look up and say, hey, listen, my child, I have more going on behind the scenes. There's something I want you to be a part of that's bigger than the situation that you might be facing. And God is moving and working. Maybe it's taking slower than you would like, and maybe it's behind the scenes, but he is active in our lives, and we get to choose to participate like these three wise women did. And so that's the invitation for each and every one of us today to participate in being bringers of good news. Yeah, and I think their stories are so powerful and such good reminders that what is best for us and what God wants to do aren't at odds. Mm. You know, I think sometimes we're like, I have what I want, but God has what he wants. And there can be seasons and things we need to change our desires about, but what ultimately is actually good for us, not what we just want, is, is what God wants too. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like what is actually good for us, not just what we want, but what, what is best right. is also what God is looking for. Each one of these women had a miracle in some form that they made their own. Like Elizabeth is like, I'm thankful. My disgrace is gone. But she's giving birth to John the Baptist, who is bigger than her. And Mary's the same way. She's, like, excited, and she's, like, blessed and highly favored and, you know, makes the miracle her own. But she's giving birth to the Savior, who's for everyone. And Anna, she's just excited to be in the room and see what's happening. And it's not about her either. And the same is true in our life. What God wants to do in you and through you is the best thing for you. But it's also bigger than you. It's never just about you. And so remembering that helps us have perspective. And I think remembering that ultimately, all three of these women are side characters to Jesus entering the world. Remembering that ultimately this story is about God loving the world so much that he sent his one and only son 
to put on flesh and become one of us so that he could live a perfect, sinless life and take away the punishment for our sin. That he could take our place on the cross and die and be rose again on the third day so that we could have new life in Christ. But all three of these women got to play a little role in what God wanted to do for everybody. And I think that's our invitation too. As long as we're willing to not choose fear, to not get stuck in jealousy, and not to be stuck just seeing the problems of our own situation. God wants you to be part of his story. And so we want to pray for you. Pray for whatever God is speaking to you in this moment. However, whichever woman you resonated with most. Uh, And we also want to give you the opportunity, if you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, to make that decision today as well. Um, Following Jesus is believing that he is who he said he was, that he is the one who came and died for you, that he lived a perfect life, that he is the son of God, risen again, and that when you put your faith and trust in him, he removes all the punishment for the mistakes you've made, and God adopts you into his family and gives you the promise of eternity and the down payment of his Holy Spirit. So let's pray. First, I'm going to pray for all of us to be used by God in whatever way he would have. God, we, we... Remember what we sang before the message, Lord, that it's all about you, that it's Jesus at the center of it all. And God, we know that, but would you just remind us in a deep way, in our heart, in our soul, God, that this is all about you. And God, would we accept that invitation to be used by you in whatever you see fit? God, would we have the posture of Mary? I am your servant. May your word be fulfilled in me. God, whatever you have for each one of us individually, would we choose faith? Would we choose joy? Would we choose purpose and be used by you to do what you want in the earth, trusting that that's also what is best for us? God, we thank you for the wisdom we can learn from your scripture, from these examples. Would you speak to us and minister to us? And God, for everybody in the room who, who's ready to make a decision they've never made before and, and saying, I want to follow Jesus from this day forward. God, would they come to you acknowledge their need, that they've fallen short of your standard? Would they believe that you died for them, that you sent Jesus for them out of love, that he rose again on the third day, and that as they put their trust in you, God, would you fill them with your Holy Spirit? Would you make them brand new on the inside? Change them from this day forward as they choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear about what God is doing in your life. To share your story or a prayer request, simply hit contact on our website. You can also support the ministry of Hope Culture Church by visiting hopeculturechurch.com give. We hope you have a great week.